Hey, it's Amalia Dempsey here, and thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I've noticed one thing that separates those who succeed with their horse in a way where they are both happy and those who constantly struggle and seem to always be having issues with their horse. Every horse training method relies on it. Every person you see doing something fancy with their horse has nailed it. And every time you see a horse and rider together and you think, wow, I want what they have, they've all got one thing in common. They've nailed the fundamentals of horsemanship. I know, I know it's not very exciting because you might think you're past the fundamentals. At least that's what I used to think. After all, you might've been around horses for a long time and you're probably working on more advanced things right now. But until you understand that the advanced things are just the fundamentals done to a high quality, you probably won't succeed consistently in a way where both you and your horse are happy, communicating clearly with each other, confident in various situations, and ultimately sharing that beautiful connection we all want with horses. Those that succeed in this way have nailed the fundamentals of training horses. And those that don't succeed, they don't even know what the fundamentals are. And as a result, they always feel a bit stuck, lost or confused with their training, constantly relying on an instructor to tell them what to do, or they jump from program to program looking for that guru who has all the answers. And trust me, they don't exist. I've already searched high and low. Even when I help people who have done other methods or have tried some groundwork that they've seen on YouTube, they still don't really know what these fundamentals are and why they are doing them and if they are doing them well. If you have no idea how to do these fundamentals to a high level or even what they are, you're missing huge and vital pieces of that 10,000 piece horsemanship jigsaw puzzle. And until you have these fundamental pieces in place, your overall picture with your horse will not look or feel how you want it to. But don't worry if this is you, because I was once there also. I had been around horses for a long time. I was even competing and winning. But you know what? Something was always a bit off. And I knew deep down that I was destined for more in terms of what I wanted my relationship with my horses to be like. Once I personally implemented these fundamentals with my own horses, everything changed. And now because of these fundamentals, I can do more advanced things and I can independently problem solve with confidence in my own decisions. It's why I can quickly assess a horse and rider and work out what the underlying problems might be, because usually one or more of the fundamentals is majorly lacking and the root cause of their horse's unwanted behavior, including things like being distracted or unfocused, tense and spooky horses, pushy horses, and horses that feel like they're they're ignoring you or don't understand you, quote unquote, lazy or unmotivated horses, or more specific things like Horses not wanting to be caught, not standing still for the farrier, not standing still for the mounting block, refusing to go onto the trailer, not accepting their tack easily, and lots of other specific problems. Just imagine how it would feel to be riding bridleless. Spoiler alert, it's the best feeling in the world. Or even just riding bitless, or even with a bit, but with really light cues and having your horse want to be in your presence and really enjoy what you're doing together. Imagine having your horse focus on you and understand your cues completely. Even imagine sharing special moments lying down with your horse. And imagine asking your horse to do something and they actually understand you and want to do it. And even when they don't, you know how to problem solve your way around it in a way that doesn't force yourself or your horse into situations that you both don't like. 
And in case you're thinking, it's not possible for me to achieve these things with my horse, I've already tried everything. I'm not a horsemanship guru who has started thousands of cults and I'm not even a naturally gifted horsewoman or rider. I'm just a regular equestrian girl who just found a better way of doing everything with my horses. And I've done all the research because you guys know that I'm a total horse nerd. I've put thousands of hours of practice in. I've studied different methods. I've made so many mistakes and I've discovered what works and what doesn't for lots of different types of horses and people with different problems. So ultimately, I can guide you to do the same and help you avoid some of the mistakes that I made along the way. Not only have I implemented these fundamentals with my own horses, but I've taught people in person and online all over the world how to really know, understand and implement these fundamentals with their own horses successfully, where they are now achieving their more advanced horse goals. But to begin with, my students, they were making the mistake of skipping the fundamentals and trying to do the fancy stuff first. But once they went back to the fundamentals, they realized what they were missing and doing wrong. Are you trying to do more advanced things with your horse, but it's not working? Does it feel like your horse doesn't understand you? Are you worried you might be doing the wrong thing or messing things up when things don't go to plan? There's one thing separating you between where you are now and where you want to be. And it's these fundamentals and how you are doing them. And I promise when you get these fundamentals under your belt, the road to the advanced things will be much more clear and simple. And that is why I made Horsemanship Fundamentals Academy, or HFA for short, a transformational online learning experience for heart-centered equestrians who want to create the ultimate partnership with their horse, understand and connect with their horse on a deeper level, have light cues on the ground and when riding, build confidence and relaxation in themselves, their horses and various situations and implement the essential foundation for a willing, calm, trusting, and happy equine partner. Everything you need to know about HFA can be found at amaliadempsey.com and click on Academy and you'll be taken to a page with all the information there. I will also put a link to the Academy in the show notes of this episode. Plus, when you go to that page, I actually have a 10-minute workshop on the fundamentals that you can watch right away. Seriously, take what you learn in HFA and run with it. Your life with horses will be changed forever. Some of my members have even said it has literally changed their life. Plus, if you're listening to this in February or March of 2023, right now is the perfect time to join because I'm giving you four live group coaching calls. These are bonus coaching calls um, with me as you progress through HFA. So, I can help you troubleshoot and problem solve all the questions that you might have along the way. These live group coaching calls are not something that's usually included in HFA. So if you're the kind of person who feels like you need more support and accountability as you work through an online course, now is the time to join. I'm doing the calls in March, April, and May. So make sure you jump on board now if you're considering joining and you want that extra support. Just head to AmaliaDempsey.com and click on Academy to find out more and make sure you sign up before March 22nd of 2023 if you want to be included in those live coaching calls with me. It's going to be so much fun to connect with you all. I'm super excited and I really hope to see you inside of HFA. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a light, happy and willing partner. 
I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship and equine learning theory. And now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication with your horse so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritizing the partnership. Get more learning resources, including my free connection and communication mini course at AmaliaDempsey.com. Click the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave me a rating and review or screenshot this episode and share on social media. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 49 of the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, how to develop connection and deepen your relationship with your horse, part one of the Horsemanship Fundamentals series. So welcome to this three-part series where I work through each of the, what I believe to be the fundamentals of horsemanship, and they are connection, communication, and confidence. And in today's episode, we're really going to be focusing on the connection piece. My intention for you for this episode is that you have a better understanding of what connection with your horse actually is and how you can get it. So just going back to the fundamentals, if you listened to the last episode all about how to have a happy horse, I mentioned that I was going to do this three-part series on the fundamentals of horsemanship because I believe in order to have a happy horse um, and you're training and riding your horse, you need to have these fundamentals in place for your horse to be happy in their training. And the fundamentals are so important because Often when one or more of these fundamentals are lacking, they can be the root cause of problem behaviors with horses. So when your horse, um, when there's certain behaviors that are popping up with your horse in your training that you're not super happy with, it could be that one of these fundamentals is lacking. Of course, it could be pain or, um, you know, health related causes as well. But if we're purely looking from a behavioral perspective, it's most likely that one of these fundamentals is lacking if you are having problem behaviors or if things aren't working out or if you're not making progress. And that is why so many horsemanship kind of gurus, if you want to call them that, will say things like, I never directly worked on the rearing or the bucking or the bolting or whatever, because they have a process of going right back to the beginning and working through all these fundamentals, finding out where the holes are so that the problem doesn't even appear. Because the problem is like a symptom, right, of the actual underlying cause. It's kind of like when someone has a headache, right? So the headache isn't really the problem. I mean, the the person feels the headache is the problem. They're like, this is painful. My head hurts. I, I just want to get rid of the headache. But the underlying reason might be something like hydration. Perhaps they're dehydrated. But if the person doesn't understand that, they might refuse the thing like a glass of water, a bottle of water that will actually help them. You know, they'll be like, oh, no, thank you. I don't need water. I've got a headache. I need something to fix that. I I need a, a pill or something like that. But the thing is, like, if they keep taking pain relief like Panadol for their headache, but don't address the underlying cause of the dehydration, yes, their pain might be relieved temporarily but their pain will keep coming back. Their headache will keep coming back unless they address their hydration problem. And the fundamentals are the same. So 
the fundamentals is like the water <laughs> um, and the, the headache is like the problem behavior. So let's use the example of, um, uh, let's just say rearing. Okay. So the horse is rearing um, and that's, they think that is the pain point. The problem is my horse rears, right? And then a horsemanship person comes along and says, oh, look, you really should probably work on your fundamentals. And the rider goes, oh, no, I don't have an issue with the fundamentals. Actually, it's the it's the rearing. I've got a rearing problem. But they can't see that the rearing problem is coming from a lack of one of one or more of those fundamentals. So, you know, they might use a bigger bit. They might use stronger rain aids. They might use, you know, gadgets or whatever to try and solve the rearing issue. But really that rearing issue will never go away until the root cause is addressed and they're usually the fundamentals. I hope that makes sense. I like using analogies in my um, coaching. I just think it helps us understand things a little bit better. Of course, you know, I always use the disclaimer of horses are a completely different species and analogies aren't always like perfectly aligned with that. But uh, I do think it helps people understand the importance of, you know, the point that I'm trying to make. Anyway, this part one of the Horsemanship Fundamentals series is all about connection. Um, but I just wanted to preface this episode with the importance of the fundamentals before I get started. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about what my defin definition is of connection, why connection is important, um, when connection isn't in place, what problems will appear, eight mistakes that I see people making when trying to achieve connection and 10 things you can do to help build connection with your horse. So let's start with the definition of connection. So what is my ideal picture of connection and how do I know if I've got it? Before I tell you my definition, I quickly Googled it and the Google definition of connection is, there's a few different ones. Um, the first was the act of joining or being joined to something else. That's so a very kind of mechanical explanation. Um, and another was a relationship in which a person or thing is linked or associated with something else. Now, um, you know, they're pretty basic definitions. I think mine goes a little bit deeper than that because you know, we, we are physically linked to our horse through a lead rope, say, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're connected. Um, it's more about the feeling for me. So the connection for me and my horses and the horses that I train is the, is the quality of the relationship and the two-way communication between horse and human. So connection is the quality of the relationship and the quality of the communication between the horse and the human. So there is a spectrum there, you know, you, you can be somewhat connected with a horse uh, or you can be like really deeply connected with a horse where it feels like you just think about something and the horse does it. I, I think connection out of all three of the fundamentals is probably the hardest one to describe and define and talk about because it is quite elusive. It's quite a subjective topic, right? And it's very much a buzzword in the horsemanship community at the moment. Everyone's talking about connection with your horse. People have different um, definitions of connection, of what that looks like and, and how to get it. Um, but for me, it's really about that quality of the relationship, the bond, the vibe between you both, the awareness of each other. 
um, really noticing each other and, and as a result, being able to communicate more clearly with each other. It's also a feeling between you both where you both are aware and, and, and yeah, it, it almost feels magical. I have to say it, it sounds silly and it sounds a bit woo woo. And I've mentioned on the podcast before that, you know, I do think horsemanship for, for me, at least it, there is a little bit of a woo aspect to it. I don't think it's completely woo woo. And I think there's a spectrum of people who, um, uh, really take it to the extremes in terms of like it being a spiritual experience. For me, there's definitely a logical explanation um, side of, of training horses, scientific side of training horses, but there is a lot that we cannot fully explain yet either. As as with many areas of life, even, even science and medical-based areas, right? So yeah, for me, it's a bit of a balance between both. But there is this magical feeling between you and your horse when you are connected. It's a beautiful feeling. And you can really feel the difference between when you're working with a horse who you are connected with versus one who you're not connected with. It's, and, and I really think that comes down to a, an awareness thing. And when a horse, when it feels like a horse is not aware of you, it's quite a uh, vulnerable feeling actually, because when I play with a horse that I feel isn't connected with me, well, I'm, I'm not really sure that they're aware of my space or um, my movements and things like that. And, and as a result, we don't have a more clear communication, whether that's on the ground or in the saddle. And therefore it, it, it's all based on control and manipulation rather than actual communication where we're both understanding each other. And I think that's a safer place to be with a horse rather than having to purely just control and manage movement rather than them really understanding um, what it is that you're asking them to do. Just like connection between two humans, so many things feed into this. And for me, connection isn't something that you work on in isolation. It's something that is developed through the way you are with your horse and the way you communicate and interact with them. Okay, so I think I've mentioned this in the previous episode, in the happy horse episode, that um, I, I don't feel like, like I don't go out to my horses or even to, to train a horse or to a lesson situation where I go, okay, right, we're going to work on the connection today because that's inevitable. We're always working on the connection. It's this underlying thing that it's almost like a side effect of the way you train. Um, so that's why I... I see people who are training, uh, they say that they're training connection through just getting the horse's attention. You know, like the horse will, they'll say disconnect. So they'll look at something in the distance or whatever, and they'll wave a flag a little bit so that the horse brings their attention back to the human and they go, oh, right, I've got connection there. I don't, I don't really think that's the case. I think you've got the, the horse's attention in that moment, but attention is not connection. It's only a very, very, very small part of the piece. Of course, we need our horses to pay attention to us. But in that moment, I wouldn't say that we're connected. Connection is so much deeper and stronger and um, takes a lot longer to build up than just waving a flag and getting those two ears to look at us. 
Um, I think it could be a great place to start. It's not necessarily what I do to achieve connection. Like I said before, we're always working on the connection. And with the three fundamentals of connection, confidence, and communication, the great thing about them is when one gets better, the other get better, the others get better as well. But it also works in reverse. So if your connection is lacking, most likely your horse's confidence and the communication between you both is lacking as well. So when you feel like things are going on a downward spiral with your horse, it's probably because one or more of these three fundamentals is lacking and influencing the other fundamentals because they just kind of all work in together. And that's why I draw them as three interconnected circles. If you've seen that on um, the Horsemanship Fundamentals page or on my social media, because they're not separate things. We're always working on them. I don't really go out and go, okay, great. Today I'm working on the connection because <laughs> the connection is always either being improved or unfortunately um, broken down depending on how we're doing things. So this connection comes from really listening to your horse, approaching your horse with a positive attitude, being aware of your own and your horse's body language and making sure that the relationship and the training is mutually beneficial. And like I said, it is really closely linked to the other fundamentals of communication and confidence because the quality of the connection really depends on how you are able to make, how you are able to make your horse feel, how well you are able to interpret their body language and what they might be feeling and how well you are able to communicate with them. I know that I have connection with a horse when I reach out to a horse and they reach out to me, right? And this is not something you want to overdo. It's kind of like shaking someone's hand. You wouldn't just shake someone's hand multiple times within a conversation. But sometimes, you know, I I would just check, like, are they aware of me? If I just put my hand out a little bit as if two horses, you know, uh, uh, two horse noses are coming together like they were sniffing for the first time, you know how horses do that? That's how I kind of see that. It's like a greeting, like, hey, like, do you feel me approaching? Do you feel my presence? Do you feel me attempting to connect with you here? And if the horse reaches out softly and and sniffs my hand, that is one sign that I could be connected with the horse. I know I have connection with a horse when a horse is really aware of my space, my energy and my body language and responds accordingly. Uh, and I think this is really, this is really evident in an in-person lesson situation where a student might attempt to do a task with a horse and they're having to use a lot of pressure. Let's say it's a hind cordial. They're having to use a lot of pressure. The horse isn't understanding. Maybe they're walking forwards. And then once they've finished asking for the hind cordial, the horse either keeps going or, um, you know, walks forwards or starts to do a different maneuver and then um, certainly not to brag but then then I might try and do the same yield and the horse does it smoothly and beautifully straight away and it I can use the lightest amount of pressure and the only difference really is that I'm really aware of that horse's energy the horse is really aware of my energy and my body language um they're probably more aware of me as a, as a stranger, you know, they've already, they've already got kind of assumed, um, they've already learned some things about their 
owner. So they're probably not being as aware because they've kind of already figured them out, so to speak. But the reason why I'm not having to use so much pressure is because I'm really aware of when the horse is trying, when they're not, when they're not trying, when I'm um, happy with the yields, I change my energy to be relaxed and calm rather than keeping my energy and, and body language up. There's a really clear difference between when I'm asking and when I'm not asking and the horse can feel that. And it's a really nice feeling that I, I like, that feels connected to me. You know, when I can stand next to my horse and um, in the same position that I might ask for a yield, but I'm completely relaxed, then change my energy and body language and the horse moves and then change back to a relaxed state and the horse stands still in a relaxed way again. That's a feeling of connection through movement because we're both really aware of what each other are doing. And it does take time to build up this awareness, but it absolutely is possible. When I first started learning things like natural horsemanship, my body awareness was terrible. And there's certainly still room for improvement, of course. We're always a work in progress. But I feel a lot more confident in myself now, knowing that I can control my, my energy a lot more. And remember, horses are masters of energy, body language, and intention. They can feel that. Um, and sure, there's some physical changes in the way that your body looks. So you could argue that, oh, it's just a physical cue. You know, your legs are straighter and your chest is up higher when you're asking for a yield versus when you're not. But I do really think it's about the feeling as well because it can be really, really subtle. I know I have connection with a horse when they notice that I notice the way that they're feeling. And one of the smallest ways that I do this, and probably one of the easiest ways for people to get started with this, is I notice their itchy spots or when they've got or when something is bothering them. Okay, so horses will sometimes, you know, like turn around and scratch an area on their body. I will go and get that itchy spot for them. I want to show them, hey, I noticed you were itchy there. Let me get that for you. So that they go, oh, she's actually aware of what I'm thinking and feeling, hopefully. Um, and also, you know, if they swish a fly or, you know, you've seen horses kind of brush their head over their leg or whatever to try and get a fly or a bug off. I'll go here. Let me help you. I'll get that off for you. I want them to feel like I'm noticing how they're feeling. That will help build connection. Um, and it can even grow from there where it really feels like they're telling you <laughs> where they would like their itchy spots and what um, they would like you to do for them. And remember, for me, the relationship with horses is a two-way street. It's not just about what the horse can do for us. It's about what we can do for the horses as well, where they actually feel like we're doing it for them, right? They don't understand that we pay the vet bills and we pay the fodder bills and we buy them fancy new rugs and things like that. That's not really what they appreciate. Their horses very much live in the moment and we want to show them in the moment that we are aware of exactly how they are feeling. I know that I have connection with a horse when I can suggest things and they willingly try it. Okay, so that tells me that they're aware of uh, the difference in my energy and body language, as I was talking about before, 
But not only are they aware, they're actively trying to problem solve. They're actively trying to go, what is it that she wants, right? And that is built up through working on the communication. I know I have connection with a horse when I can feel things before they become a problem or they escalate um, to to become a worse problem. And this again comes back down to the awareness. I feel like for my con- for my definition of connection, perhaps it should have included an awareness um, because that word keeps popping up. <laughs> so um, with this being aware of a problem before it kind of happens, you know, this is, I I talk about to my students, you know, notice it when it's a one out of 10 before it becomes a 10 out of 10 and fix it when it's a one out of 10. So it's much easier to fix a smaller kind of issue than it is a really uh, large issue that's already kind of ingrained. So for example, one of the most basic ways I can think that this applies is when your horse first shows you that they're worried about something. Okay. So many people would just ignore that or they're not even aware of it. It's probably more so that they're not aware of it. Cause I feel like if they knew they, they would stop and help their horse in that moment. So people go all of a sudden out of nowhere, my horse spooked at this thing, but perhaps they weren't aware of when their horse first said, I'm a little bit worried about that a hundred meters before they approach the thing that they spooked at. Um, so if you can show your horse that you're, uh, I'm sort of moving into how to get connection, not just when I, not just the topic of how I know I've got connection, but anyway, um, so if you can show your horse that you are aware of them when they first tell you that they're worried, your connection will be stronger because you're showing your horse that you're listening to them. Also, you're helping them through, um, a, a potentially scary situation where you're not overfacing them or pushing them through so that then that builds more trust and connection also. You're demonstrating to them, hey, I can see that you're worried. I'm going to help you through this. I'm not going to push you or force you through. We can do this together. I know I have connection with a horse when the relationship is mutually beneficial. Okay, so I see our relationship with horses as a symbiotic relationship. There are people out there who believe we shouldn't be riding or have horses in domestic situations at all. They believe that um, they should, we shouldn't have interactions with them. And sometimes I get comments from um, the, the people that believe this on my Instagram, actually. So if you want to go and see some comments from those sorts of people, go and just go and have a look on my Instagram. And I think it was on the happy horse one, actually, someone commented saying, well, if you really wanted horses to be happy, you should just set them free in the wild. But my thoughts are, I actually believe horses can have a much more enriched and fulfilling and safe life where they can thrive in a domestic environment if it's done well, where we can as much as possible replicate their um, natural environment, their species specific environment. If you want to hear more about that, just go back to the previous happy horse episode. So I see our relationship with horses as a symbiotic relationship and a symbiotic relationship is purely just one where um, there are two species that interact with each other for the benefits of each other, right? And you might see this with your own horses with those little birds that um, hang around the horses. I don't think horses would allow those pesky little birds to sit on their backs 
and you know fly around their faces and things if there wasn't an advantage to the horses so I think this symbiotic relationships I think they're willy wagtails here in Australia or South Australia um, we've got these willy wagtails little black birds that hang around the horses um, they sit on their backs they fly around their face and I think as the horses are grazing I don't know this for sure this is what I, I'm guessing um, the willy wagtails dive down and, and eat little bugs that come up as a result of the horses pulling the grass out of the, the soil. And I think the horses perhaps allow this because I don't know if the willy wagtails like um, groom them or if they, uh, that there has to be a benefit to the horses in some way. Perhaps they um, eat little bugs off their skin or whatever it might be. There, there is some kind of symbiotic relationship at play there. And there are lots of other species that do this also. And I think another example is the bacteria in our own guts, right? We have good and bad bacteria in our bodies and we have the good bacteria have a symbiotic relationship with us where the good bacteria, I guess, get to feed off of our system and we get a benefit because it helps to um, remove bad bacteria, I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a digestion expert, but there are these, what I'm trying to say is there are these symbiotic relationships naturally in nature. And I think that we have a symbiotic, symbiotic relationship with horses in that we can provide them with a, a great life where all their needs are met and satisfied. And they also do things for us. This relationship is a two-way street. And um, this is the case for all relationships, right? We, we say to people that we love them unconditionally and that's beautiful and I agree, but, how, but I do think that all relationships, they have a benefit to both partners. So let's say you have a friend and you enjoy each other's company, you do things for each other, you help each other out. But I bet if that one friend just kept taking and taking and taking and never gave you anything, never made an effort, um, never complimented you or whatever it is um, that you feel like you need from that relationship, eventually your relationship would die off because there's no benefit to you anymore. You're not actually getting anything from that relationship anymore. So this has been a little bit of a tangent, but what I'm trying to say is you have connection with your horse. You know you have connection with your horse when your horse sees it as a positive thing as well as you okay so it's not just you getting everything out of the relationship you being able to ride like the horse should do this for me because i um the horse is a lot of money and you know he only has to work for an hour a day <laughs> that's not the attitude we want to have with our horses to build connection we want to think what can i do for my horse as well as what can the horse do for me okay it's a two-way street and this leads into why connection, why this fundamental of connection is important. And I think it's because mostly that's what we are all after. If we wanted something that was just push button that never had any problems, that we could control 100% of the time. It's been said time and time again that we would be riding bikes or motorbikes, right? We have horses because we want that relationship with them. We want to connect with them. It feels good. We, we love horses and we want to have a positive, we want it to be a positive experience for both of us. 
We want to enjoy our interactions with them and we want them to enjoy our, enjoy their interactions with us. We want to feel safe with each other. We want to trust each other. And that is why building this connection with your horse is so important. And once you have experienced connection with a horse, it becomes essential to everything else that you do with your horse. So I remember a time where I literally would ride anything and everything. Like I didn't have like any criteria in terms of, I just hop on. I would even look at horses for sale, which is a big, this is a big no-no. You always get someone to ride like the owner or rider to ride the sale horse before you hop on. Not me. I wouldn't care. I would just hop on anything and everything. Um, and, and there's nothing, I'm not saying that's wrong, but what I'm saying is now I prefer to have built up some kind of connection, even if it's just briefly on the ground first, before I hop on, I need to feel like I've established some kind of connection with that horse first before riding. I see riding as quite an intimate thing now. It's, it's quite a, it's a huge ask for a horse to, for them to allow us on their backs. I see it as a privilege. It's amazing that they allow us to do this. And I think that it's a much more enjoyable experience for them if we have established that connection before riding. And this connection, this fundamental of connection is so important because deep down, we all want connection with horses. If you strip everything back, like all the competition, if you strip back the competition and the expectations and the the goals that you have to be a really good rider, underneath all that is what's really important for all of us. And that is the connection with your horse, whether you're a Grand Prix rider, dressage rider, whether you're a World Cup show jumper, whether you're a trail rider, a pony club rider, whatever you do, English or Western, if you strip everything back, we all want the same thing and that is connection with our horses. And that is why I think it's really important to bring that to the front of our focus because it shouldn't be the thing that is like we, we shouldn't have to strip everything back to get to that. We should know that that is one of our core intentions to have with our horse and, and use that as a, a kind of a benchmark. Like, okay, is this getting me closer or further away from connection with my horse? When this fundamental of connection isn't in place, what problems might appear and what does it feel like for the rider? As I've mentioned, you can certainly feel the difference between when a horse is connected and when they're not, okay? And um, if you're not sure, it probably means that your horse isn't connected um, or you've been playing with the same horse for a while. And um, let me tell you, if you go in, if if you're playing with your horse and you feel like you've got a good connection and you go and play with someone else's horse who perhaps isn't into horsemanship, um, you will feel the difference. You will definitely feel the difference. A horse who isn't connected, it feels like they have no awareness of you. It feels like they're not reading you. It feels like they don't, they don't really care about you. It feels like they don't understand you. Usually they're quite dull or completely overreactive to any pressure. There's, there's no sense of safety or trust in you. And therefore you can have behavioral issues like they push into you. They're really spooky. They don't want to do things. They don't want to put in effort. They they feel disconnected. <laughs> you know, um, if you don't have connection, they're probably disconnected. It feels like the horse doesn't trust you. It feels like you're speaking different languages. 
Um, and handling or riding a, a disconnected horse to me feels very mechanical. It feels like it lacks that level of, mm, what's the word? It's like a connection is the word, but um, it lacks that level of magic, I have to say, that feeling of like, this is so cool. We're doing this together and we really both want to be here together. If you can hear me like making noises, it's because I'm so passionate and I like talk with my hands. So I'm like, you know, clapping my hands together as I'm talking about this. Um, so yes, I was, I was saying, um, when connection isn't in place, riding and handling horses feels very mechanical and disconnected. It feels like there's a wall between you, like an invisible wall where you're both not willing to to break through. It, it's kind of like the wall you would feel with a stranger, right? You put up this invisible wall with someone you don't know, but when you really know someone and you're aware of them, you let them inside that invisible wall. Some of the more tangible problems that I see that show up when there is a lack of communication um, include things like your horse not wanting to do what you've asked them to do. So people might call their horse stubborn in these situations, but really it's because there's no communication, there's no relationship. So the horse is like, why would I want to do that? I don't trust you. I don't feel like we're doing this together. So if your horse is refusing to do things, if your horse is um, overly anxious or spooky about things, if they're spooking, if they're um, not letting you put something on them, if they don't want to go to a certain area, uh, this anxiety, this tension could be a lack of connection because again, they don't feel safe around you. They don't feel like they're being seen or heard. They don't feel like you're aware of them. And because of that lack of connection, they have this underlying level of tension and anxiety, which shows up with spooky type behaviors. It can also show up if uh, this lack of a connection, lack of connection can show up as a brace, right? So your horse is doing everything that you want them to do, but there's this brace, there's this uh, ickiness kind of thing that's happening in your interactions together. So, and it could be that you don't have that connection. The horse is just being a good boy or girl, doing what you're asking, but really their heart's not in it. They really just don't want to be doing it but they're doing it because they know that they're supposed to be. Um, and, you know, perhaps it's an aversive situation if they don't do the thing that you're asking them to do. But if you improve your connection with your horse, suddenly they're more willing to do the things that you're asking. Suddenly they're like, yeah, I'll do that because we've built up enough rapport, enough connection, enough relationship, enough communication that I'm okay and I'm actually happy to do these things that you're asking me to do. Certainly more problematic behaviors like more extreme examples, rearing, bucking, bolting, biting, all of those things that we don't want to experience with our horses can certainly result as uh, can be because of a lack of connection um, because the horse feels like they have to shout at you <laughs> to be heard. They have to show you in extreme ways. This is how I'm feeling. I have to rear or buck or bolt or bite to show you because you're not listening to my subtle communication about how I'm feeling. So these big problem behaviors can be can show up as a result of a lack of connection. Another problem that might show up if you lack connection is your horse doesn't want to be with you. 
So you go into the paddock and they literally turn and walk or trot or canter the other direction. Unless you've got some treats or you're bribing them or you're, um, you've got something that they want, which can help build connection over time. But if overall their impression of you without any of those additional things is uh, something that they want to escape from, could be a sign that your connection is off. But when your connection is good, your horse actually wants to spend time with you. You might call them and they come to the gate. They might want to be picked out of the herd to be with you because you have that strong connection. Another kind of more subtle problem that might show up when you lack connection with your horse is that you kind of feel like deep down, you just don't really like this horse. And I know that sounds really weird to say because we all love horses, but when you have experienced especially a chronic lack of connections or persistent or ongoing lack of connection, you start to question like, why am I even doing this? Why have I, why do I even have horses? This is not how I pictured things. And that's a problem because if you feel like that, then it's going to, your interactions going forwards are going to be really difficult. And this is a really big red flag in, in terms of showing you that the connection is off and that it needs to be a priority for you. So they're kind of like the problems that would show up if you lack the fundamental of connection with your horse. And pretty much any problem that shows up with your horse, the re- the underlying reason could be a lack of connection because it's just one of those uh, overarching um, fundamental things that you need and that when you have, it just elevates every experience that you have with your horse. Once you've experienced connection with a horse, you can't really go back, I have to say. And this is why, you know, I said before, I used to just hop on anything and everything. And now it's like, mm, no, I really want to establish even just a brief connection with a horse before I hop on. It's, it's not enough now for me just to pilot a horse around. I need to experience a deeper level now. Um, and, and, but if I didn't know that level of connection, it, it wouldn't bother me because now I know I can't unknow. And this is often what happens when people start to learn about horsemanship is that your eyes become opened. Um, and when they are opened, you cannot go back to closing them. You cannot unsee what you've seen. You cannot unknow what you know. And often there's a period of kind of regret in a way once you learn some things about horses and their experience and their perspective and who they are as a species because you go, oh, things were kind of simpler before because I didn't I didn't put thought into this. I didn't really consider the horse's experience. But then once your eyes have been opened, you you are so much more aware of that that at times it can be crippling but don't worry you can get to the other side of that and and it's a lot um, smoother and nicer and um, you get to a comfortable place with that uh, but yeah it's once you've experienced connection with a horse you can't go back to uh, accepting that disconnection that mechanical feeling with a horse Next up, I'm going to talk about eight mistakes that I see people making when trying to achieve connection with their horse. And these are things that can actually kind of damage the relationship and communication with your horse. Um, But before we do that, we're just going to go to a quick break. Hi, my name's Meg from Australia. I joined HFA because I was feeling lost and frustrated and I felt like I needed guidance and I did not believe in myself. I found Amalia on Instagram 
and I felt that we had the same values and a real connection and I just knew that the HFA course was for me. When I entered the course, I was a bit nervous because I didn't think I would finish it, but I did because the modules are easy. They're in small bite-sized pieces that you can break down and you can just take your own time to do it. And it's a wonderful course. You get a full rundown on, on what you need to do. And Amali is there as a great support and it was really enjoyable. I, my horse and I now have a better connection. They see me and come running to my, to me instead of running away. And they just love hanging out with me and I love hanging out with them. I really recommend the course. And I, if you want a better connection with your horse or you feel a little lost or you don't believe in yourself, definitely do it. Okay, let's talk about the eight mistakes that I see people making when trying to achieve connection with their horse. The first one is a lack of awareness. So this is a lack of awareness in themselves, their energy, their body, their horse's body. So ignoring your horse's body language. Um, And this is why one of my key philosophies in training horses is be aware of your own and your horse's body language. This does take some time to develop, but it's definitely achievable. And those amazing horse trainers that you might see on Instagram or you've seen them in person, they have mastered this. And horses are masters of this. Horses primarily communicate through their body language and their energy. So it's crucial that you pay attention to their subtle cues because ignoring these signals can lead to a breakdown in communication and trust. Don't worry, there's certainly things that I miss all the time. Um, Sometimes actively choose to ignore and then I go, hmm, shouldn't have ignored that. Um, But that's all part of the journey. But what I'm saying is that this lack of awareness is one of the mistakes that I see people make when they're trying to achieve connection with their horse. The second mistake I see um, people making, and I've touched on this already, is that people mistake attention for connection. So they think just because they've got their horse's attention that they are connected. And I see this in in an extreme way where people will not allow their horse to look at anything else. So as soon as that horse looks away, there is pressure applied until that horse looks back at their human. Now, um, I can see that this actually works. Like as in, I I see that um, when this technique is applied, horses become very focused on their trainer. Absolutely, they do because they feel that they cannot look anywhere else because there'll be, they'll, they'll be an aversive um, response. However, uh, I like to allow my horses to look around. I feel like they need that. I feel like, well, they're prey animals. They need to be aware of their surroundings. And, and I allow that. And I, I think it's really important for their own confidence, which we'll talk about in the next, um, in the next part of this series anyway. But I don't want to have my horse's attention just for the sake of getting their attention. Okay. It would be like, let's say your name's Emily, right? And I was like, Hey, Emily. And then didn't say anything. It's like, why did you ask for my attention? If you weren't going to have a conversation, (laughs) I only really feel like I need to have my horse's attention. If I'm actually going to ask them something or communicate with them in some way, I don't expect to have my horse's attention if, I don't need it for something, right? I, I, the same as I wouldn't expect you 
to stare at me and look at me and focus on me if I had nothing important to say. So, and I think this, um, not expecting the horse to be 100% focused on you all of the time helps to build the connection because it allows that horse to feel comfortable in their own skin that they can they can be aware of their environment. They can be a horse as they're designed to be um, when they're around you. So you're not so strict on how they're supposed to be behaving. Um, And I mentioned before the whole flapping the flag to get the horse's attention back on you and calling that connection. I actually disagree with that. I don't believe that's connection. I believe that's attention. I do believe attention can influence the connection, but it's only a really small part of it. So that's the second mistake. The third mistake that I see when people are trying to achieve connection is thinking that they're doing enough by ticking off groundwork tasks um, and just treating them as things to kind of tick off, right? And, And I can see why people would fall into this trap because there are many programs out there where it's just like, okay, do these three tasks and your horse will be connected. Okay, um, and uh, it's more about, for me, the way you're doing those tasks and the way you're with your horse all the time. So horses are always learning. Every interaction counts, right? So it's not just about those specific groundwork tasks. It's about the way you are with them all of the time. Okay, so imagine this. Imagine you're going on a date with someone, all right, and you are both in a cab together, you drive all the way there, you're walking there um, and you're just like completely ignoring any kind of communication that this person is having with you. You're just like stone face, not interacting, you're just whatever. Then when you get to the restaurant, suddenly you want to engage and you're aware and you're talking about things and then you walk out of the restaurant and you're straight back to like ignoring stone face. Yep, we've, we've done our date. Now we're on the way home. I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> I kind of see that in an arena situation. People like ignore their horse's communication all the way to the arena so they can get to the arena and do the groundwork tasks where they think they're working on connection. And then as soon as they're outside of the arena, they throw all of that out of the window and just completely ignore their horse all the way back to the paddock again. So (laughs) I hope that analogy makes sense, but it's like, it's not just about those tasks you do in the arena. It's about how the horse feels and about how you feel and how you interact with each other all of the time. I don't want you to feel like that's a huge burden and responsibility because it's pretty hard to remain that highly focused and aware all of the time. But as I said, you develop that over time. It's not going to be an overnight thing. Please don't think just by ticking off certain groundwork tasks that you're building the connection. It's much more universal than that. It's how you are with them all of the time. The fourth mistake is not doing enough groundwork and undemanding time. So focusing too much on riding and not enough on the groundwork. And don't get me wrong, you can still build connection through riding. But what I'm saying is that if you're communication isn't up to scratch or your connection is off, you probably need to spend more time doing groundwork and undemanding time um, versus riding. It's important to build a strong foundation with your horse through groundwork before you start riding. 
And I know that a lot of people's skills and horses experience is more through the riding piece, but it's much easier to develop connection with a horse on the ground than it is in the saddle. And by doing this, it allows you to establish uh, trust and clear communication, which will ultimately lead to a better connection, which will ultimately lead to a better riding experience for you both. So making sure that you're not just spending too much time riding, unless of course your horse is up to that level and you've already got a good connection, confidence and communication on the ground. But if you don't, you really need to work on getting that really good first, making sure you have a system of groundwork. All good horse trainers that I know, I sent out an email a little while ago about my quote unquote eight step horse training blueprint. And I know that sounds very, um, it's like, yeah, well, every horse is an individual. So how do you have like a training blueprint? Let me tell you, every really good horse trainer that I have observed, that I have been coached by, that I have studied their program or read their books, they all have a program. They all have a system. Whether they tell you that it's a system or not, they all have one that they can adapt to the individual horse. Because if you don't have any kind of framework, where do you even start? right? It might be that you don't do that framework in a particular order. It might be that you have to adjust that framework for the particular horse that's in front of you. But if you don't have a framework to work from, you don't even know where to start. You don't even know where you're going. So if you're like, yeah, I believe that groundwork is important, but you don't really know what tasks to do, you need to find one, whether that is someone else's program or my program through Horsemanship Fundamentals Academy, you, you can you can use someone else's framework. That is the beauty of this. There are so many people sharing their knowledge and their systems and their framework to help horses be more connected on the ground and in the saddle. Um, but you, you've got to have your own framework. And of course, you can learn my framework, someone else's framework and adapt it to make it your own. In fact, I encourage you to do that. You need to feel like, yes, this is my system. This is what I can bring to every single horse that I own or interact with. I need to know that I can do these things before I hop on. So, sorry, another tangent. <laughs> um, but the mistake number four was not doing enough groundwork and undemanding time. And you need to have your own system of groundwork in order to satisfy that. The undemanding time piece is, uh, I suppose that could have been a separate point in itself, but that is where ultimately you spend your time with your horse where you're just hanging out. Okay. So you're not demanding anything of them undemanding time, right? So this helps build connection with your horse because you, you can build the awareness in that, in that time as well, because you're not really asking them to do anything you're just simply being in their presence and being aware. And this really just helps to build the relationship and helps you both become a more, more aware of each other. And I think horses, they, they don't appreciate it when we are rushed, when we just try and get things done without any awareness or presence. And this undemanding time, whether it's spent in blocks of time before or after your ride or during a session or scattered throughout a session, I think horses really appreciate the, what I call the silence between the notes, that time together where you're really just being together rather than doing stuff together. The fifth mistake that I see people making when trying to achieve connection is poor communication. And this is particularly around the way that they're training. 
Okay. So it's, they don't really have an awareness of how they're training their cues and how they can get their cues lighter and lighter. No horse likes to be nagged on or likes to have lots of pressure applied to them, especially constant pressure. Even if it's like a medium level pressure, that's just like constantly applied. That would be so annoying for the horse. And in fact, you're desensitizing your horse to that constant nagging pressure if you're doing that anyway. And I really think this can break down the connection because it's an unpleasant experience for your horse. So with that, um, you really need to learn how to train horses. If you are riding a horse, you are training the horse in every interaction they are learning. So I think as horse riders, we need to learn how to be animal trainers. We need to understand animal psychology and animal learning theory, particularly equine learning theory. Um, And if you don't know about those things, then you're probably not training your horse in a really clear way. Or if you are, it could be even better. Imagine that. Imagine having even lighter, even more clarity or even lighter cues, even more clarity in the communication between you both. That will help build your connection also. Another mistake I see in people trying to build the connection with their horse is actually not progressing. So not advancing their training. Um, Of course, we see the reverse of this also where people rush through and and overface their horse. But um, I actually see a bunch of people and usually it's the heart-centered equestrians, right, who know that connection is important, but they're kind of waiting around for the connection. They're like thinking that it's just going to magically appear so that then they can carry on and do more advanced things. I remember a while ago, I gave a lesson to this girl who she, um, her main problem, the reason why she had me out is she said, my horse just, he's not focused on me. He's just not paying attention to me. I don't feel connected. I feel like he just doesn't even care. Like we're just, we're disconnected. And as a result, he's really spooky and looking around at his environment all the time. And I was like, okay, let's go, let's go have a look. So, um, there was certainly some holes in her communication with her leading on the way to the arena. So we, I helped give her some strategies for that. But then when we got to the arena, I could see what she meant. I just observed. I like to really observe um, the person and the problem to begin with, just so I can see what's actually going on. Um, and she sort of just followed her horse around and the horse kind of where, went where he wanted to go. And he had a role and then he was looking around and then he progressively got a little bit more spooky. But all the while, this girl, bless her, heart of gold, she was just kind of following and seeing what the horse would do. And I was like, okay, well, I can see he's not really focused on you, not really paying attention to you, but why would he? You're not really um, communicating with him. Like, okay, let's say if he was focused on you, what would you ask him to do? And she was like, oh, I'd never actually thought of that. I don't know what I'd like him to do. I just want him to be focused on me. And this is where I went back to the whole, um, you know, attention is not connection. It's so much more than that. Uh, and for this particular horse and human, they needed to have something to focus on in order to feel like they were communicating and connecting because without that, it wasn't just going to appear. This horse was a very curious and extroverted type horse who was really aware of their environment and to me looked somewhat a little bored, (laughs) was looking for things to do. And so I gave her a few different groundwork tasks and after a short period of time, he was very focused on her 
it looked like they were much more connected. She said it was the most connected that she'd felt with him in a long time. So in this situation, it wasn't about working more on connection or undemanding time, so to speak. Um, it was about progressing. It was about going, okay, well, if I did have connection, if I did have attention and focus and uh, he wasn't spooking, what would I want to do? Because if you don't know the answer to that, then when that connection, if that connection never magically appears, you're not going to know what to do with it. So <laughs> think about the next step and maybe try that before, uh, instead of waiting around for the connection. Now that is the complete opposite problem that I see, which is the seventh mistake, which is overfacing the horse. So progressing too quickly, advancing things too quickly, going too fast, not breaking things down enough to where that horse understands completely what it is that they're supposed to be doing, expecting too much too soon. So building a deep connection with your horse is a process that takes time and patience. Don't expect instant results or push your horse too hard or too fast. And sometimes, you know, I'll notice this in my own training. Perhaps I um, advance things a little bit too quickly or I really want to get to the end result and I go, oh, I feel like our connection is a bit off now. Like I feel like I've kind of pushed things a bit too far and I'm feeling like there's a bit of a disconnect now. You'll feel that in your horse when things are slipping backwards. But the main thing is that you're noticing that that's what's happening so you can go back and address that. Um, and that's where you have to go, okay, how can I break this down more for the horse? Um, how can I make this easier? How can I uh, accept a smaller win in order to progress from rather than thinking that I have to get to the end result straight away? So uh, mistake number six and number seven are complete opposites, but I see both. So the mistake number six was not progressing, waiting around for the connection to magically appear, going too slowly. And as a result, things just aren't getting better. In fact, they're probably getting worse. And mistake number seven was going too quickly, <laughs> advancing things too quickly, not breaking things down enough. And as a result, the connection is getting worse. So there really is a fine line, but don't worry because your horse is giving you feedback all the time. So you'll be able to feel whether you're going too fast or too slow. And you can always experiment if you're unsure. So, okay, maybe I do need to ask for a little bit more. Let's do that and see what happens. I think people are so afraid of making mistakes that they never even try. They just stay in the same spot, not realizing that staying in the same spot is actually a mistake also. Anyway, um, the eighth and final mistake that I see people making when trying to um, achieve connection with their horse, and this is going back to the heart-centered equestrians who I love so much. You're probably listening to this podcast, but it is focusing too much on the connection. Um, this is kind of related to the previous two points, but it's more so the energy behind it. So it's the um, desperation behind it okay so it's like I really really want my horse to be connected to me like so badly that they are really laser focused and staring at their horse and noticing every tiny little thing that's happening that's intense and that's pressure like that's um awkward for the horse it, it, it doesn't feel natural so instead of like desperately wanting this connection with your horse so bad 
just be a little bit more chill about it. Be a little bit more hard to get about, <laughs> play hard to get kind of thing. It's kind of like a relationship. If you like so badly want to pursue a person, it repels them away, right? It's desperate. So be a little bit more hard to get. <laughs> um, just think like, wouldn't it be nice if I was connected to my horse, but don't feel like you have to hundred percent of the time be connected with your horse or else. Like it's, it's nice. It's nice to have connection, but it's okay if it's not there straight away, especially. And it's okay because it ebbs and flows. It's not this constant thing. So just be chill about it. Um, <laughs> know that it's a focus of yours and that you'd like to have it, but don't feel like it's the only thing to focus on. Okay, so they were the eight mistakes that I see people making when trying to achieve connection. Now you're probably wondering, so how the heck do I actually get it? So here are 10 things you can do to help build connection with your horse. But of course, in HFA, I walk you through practically how to do that. Um, but like I said before, it's not like, okay, do this task and you'll get connection. It's an overarching thing. It's in every interaction that you have with your horse that's either building or breaking the connection. The first one, let me just count that I've actually made 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Good. Okay. Because <laughs> sometimes um, I say 10 things on how to do this and there's actually only nine or something or there's 12. Uh, not the best with numbers, but anyway, so 10 things you can do to help build connection with your horse. This word is coming up again for the first one, which is becoming aware. I've mentioned it a few times now, but repetition is how us humans learn. So becoming aware of your body language, your energy and your horse's body language and energy. And if you have no idea where to start with this, again, I break this down in HFA. So and not only becoming aware of your horse's body language, but potentially what that might mean. And I do talk about um, what the horse might be trying to tell us in equids because, you know, that is anthropomorphizing a little bit. But if it helps me to think like that because uh, trying to think about what the horse might be communicating with me helps me be more empathetic towards them. So number one, becoming really aware of you and your horse's body, you and your horse's body language and energy and responding accordingly. The second, these all, these all kind of relate to the mistakes, but um, again, good repetition for you. The second tip I have is spending all moments with your horse with that level of awareness, not just the training in the arena, which I spoke about before using the restaurant and date analogy. So bringing that awareness you have of your body language and your horse's body language and energy in all interactions with your horse, whether you're leading from the paddock, whether you're trailer loading, whether you're um, worming them, whether you're moving horses to a new paddock, whatever it might be, it's not just about the connection you have in the arena. The third tip is trying to interpret your horse's communication. So not just noticing what your horse is doing, but thinking, what could that mean? What could my horse be trying to say there? Because uh, if you just go, oh yeah, they've, they've tensed their neck, their tail's high. Awesome, I'm noticing that. You might wanna think, okay, what could that mean? Maybe they're a little worried about something. Maybe they're curious about something. Um, and the more you try and interpret this, the more you'll really get to know your individual horse because uh, what will happen next will tell you whether you're right. Like if you're like, oh, I think they're a bit worried about that. And then suddenly they spook. Okay, you're probably right. So you're learning. My horse does this before they do that. And that 
And so it feels like you're starting to actually communicate with them because you're understanding their body language. And you probably heard me mention on the podcast before um, that sometimes I will get a feeling like, oh, uh, I feel like the horse is itchy here or I feel like the horse needs to go over here and do this. And we do that and, and you know, it's exactly what the horse wanted. And I can't always explain exactly why I knew that. But perhaps it's because I've thought about interpreting the horse's body language for so long that now the signs are much more subtle um, that I cannot explain. Like they're so subtle that it's, a, it's more of a feeling now. But it starts by noticing the more global communication and trying to interpret the more global communication that your horse has. The fourth thing you can do to help build connection is learning how to communicate clearly with your horse. So not only interpreting and and noticing your horse's body language, but learning how to communicate clearly with your horse through your body language. So it's not enough just knowing that your feet are moving or knowing that you're really relaxed or really tense in certain moments, but it's controlling that and using that to build cues and communication with your horse. Okay, so teaching your horse, when I do this with my body, I would like you to do this. And we we can do that through reinforcement. If you've heard of the four quadrants of animal learning theory, again, I break this down in HFA and teach you how you can teach your horse to respond to subtle cues, whether that's a physical cue or body language using negative reinforcement, pressure release, and or positive reinforcement. I use combined reinforcement, which is pressure, release, reward. But I talk about the CPRR, an acronym in the free connection and communication mini course. And I take it to the next level in HFA, where I really show you how to communicate clearly with your horse so you can have subtle or even invisible aids, both on the ground and in the saddle. The fifth thing you can do to help build connection is undemanding time. And I've touched on this. So this is where you spend time with your horse, not expecting anything of them. It's where the experience is either neutral or somewhat positive for the horse. So you might be grazing on a really nice lush area of green grass. You might just be hanging out in the paddock with them. You might just have five or 10 minutes of doing completely nothing together in the middle of a training session after they've just done something amazing or or just because you know sometimes I'll be riding around and I'm like okay I feel like we've improved a little bit here I'm just gonna hop off and sit on the fence for five minutes and just chill with my horse that time of just relaxing with them and not expecting anything of them helps to build the connection the sixth point is watching or observing your horse there are some common threads here but just really getting to know them, really getting to know, like sometimes I think, okay, could you tell me right now which sock your horse's leg is on or where your horse's whirls are or which eye is darker, if that's a thing, <laughs> or, um, you know, like how well can you observe your horse? How deeply do you know, do you know your horse? Could you draw your horse's brands, you know, like just really watch and observe your horse without, you know, being intense about it. But I think this can build the connection because it helps to build that level of awareness again. The seventh thing to help build connection is getting to know your individual horse. And this could be things like really getting to know what their likes and dislikes are. 
Um, and every horse has their own unique likes and dislikes, just like humans too. So of course, you know, most, like all horses like food. Um, all horses like to be in with other horses and, and in a herd. Um, you know, there are common threads there, but think about specifically what does your individual horse like? What does your individual horse like in training? Do they prefer jumping? Do they prefer trial rides? What do they actually like to do? Does your horse like to be ridden on a long rein or do they like more of a close feel? Um, Does your horse like to be in the arena or do they like being ridden out in a paddock? Does your horse like to have other horses nearby? Does which horse does your horse prefer? Which one have they bonded with? And this helps to build the connection because you can use these things in your interactions with your horse to show them that you know what they like and you can use that as a reward or you can use that just to show them like, hey, it's really cool being around me because I give you what you want. You know, like sometimes I surprise my horses with um, molasses water because they love it. It's like a cordial. Uh, Imagine only drinking water your whole life and then knowing that, you know, Coca-Cola exists or whatever, or your chosen, your favorite, um, your choice of favorite drink exists. It's like, oh my God, this is like water, but it's tasty. (laughs) Um, So yeah, just surprising your horse with those little things. And I think that can help build the connection because you're putting deposits into that relationship bank account that I've spoken about. You're, You're creating a positive association with you where your horse wants to be with you. The eighth thing um, you can do to help build connection with your horse is not overfacing your horse. So learning about shaping, so shaping behaviors, learning how to break tasks down into small steps. So you're not pushing your horse over fear thresholds or throwing them in the deep end where they don't really understand what they're doing. Horses are fantastic at coping (laughs) with these situations in general. Um, A lot of horses go through life like this, where they're kind of just tolerating and, and, and they're living their life in training a little confused the whole time, not really knowing if that is what they're supposed to be doing. You can build connection with your horse by giving them a whole lot more clarity in those training moments. And you give them clarity by breaking tasks down into smaller steps so they can feel really successful with each individual step. And I believe one of my sayings is slow down to speed up. And by slowing down, I mean physically slowing down, not rushing the process and going slower and having undemanding time, but also slowing down in that expecting a little less. And, and by doing that, you actually get to where you want to go a lot quicker because you're breaking things down into smaller achievable steps. Um, And if you can do those small achievable steps over time, you'll be doing the advanced things with a lot more clarity, understanding and connection for you both. The ninth thing you can do to help build connection with your horse is to make sure that there is something in it for your horse. And particularly this comes to into effect when you're training your horse or riding your horse. So, Make sure that there's actually some kind of benefit for them in the process, whether that is whether you want to choose to use positive positive reinforcement, so um, treats or scratches or whatever your horse likes. But in general, most of the time, positive reinforcement means using um, treats and training, food and training, Um, so that your horse goes, oh, this is this is 
this is good for me. I want to do these things because I get paid for it, right? And eventually with enough repetition and enough reward for a task, the task in itself can become reinforcing and rewarding because they like doing it because they've built up a positive association with it for so long. Um, yeah, it becomes like almost intrinsically rewarding in itself. Uh, or it could be that. It could be that the task that you're doing in itself is intrinsically rewarding. What I mean by that is before we spoke about learning to know what your individual horse likes, if your horse likes jumping, you that that's rewarding in itself. It's like, for me, you don't have to, no one has to pay me to ride my own horses because <laughs> I like doing it. I don't even have to be motivated to do that. I want to do it, right? So <laughs> there's something in it for me because I enjoy it. So if there's something that your horse specifically likes, then you can do that to help build the connection because your horse will build up that positive association um, with you doing the thing that they like. And the 10th thing you can do to help build connection is one of my philosophies with horses, which is starting and ending with relaxation. So sometimes in lesson situations, especially new lessons, and if you're a student of mine, you'll know if this is you or not. Um, first lesson especially, I'll come out and usually people have experimented with a little bit of groundwork by then. So I'll ask them to show me what they've been doing. And they might go through some yields or some movements on the ground and they're physically ticking off the movement. They're doing the movement on like on paper. If we write it down, they're physically doing the movement, but there's something lacking. There's a connection lacking. There's relaxation lacking. They're, they're getting the movement done rather than the horse and rider or human really moving and feeling that movement together. And I think you can get this by really being aware of, of starting the yield with relaxation. So before you even ask for the movement, make sure you're both really relaxed in the position that you're going to ask them for the movement. So make sure that you can stand in the position that you'd like them to do the movement with total relaxation, without any anticipation, without any kind of feeling like they need to be doing anything else other than just chilling. Then once you've done the yield, return back to that state because sometimes horses are thinking, oh, I've got to keep moving. Like that yield has actually evoked some emotion in them. It's evoked some um, like tension. And so you want to show them that we can ebb and flow between movement and, and stillness without any kind of increase in tension. Or if there is an increase in tension or anxiety that we can easily bring it back down again. And I think this helps to build the connection because again, you're creating that positive association with you. You are the person that's helping the horse be relaxed. And if you can do that, then you become a source of safety and trust for the horse. Okay, wow, I feel like, yes, I've been speaking for a long time on connection. I think I could speak about uh, connection for a long time because it is, like I said, it, it's probably the most subjective or elusive fundamental out of all of them. We're always working on the connection. There are the, either building it up or we're breaking it down. It's not something we specifically go, right, today I'm working on the connection. It's like, no, the connection is in every interaction you have with your horse. Um, it's a, it's a thing that ebbs and flows, right? It's not going to be constant all the time and that's okay. 
And it's something that uh, is really connected to the, the word that has kept popping up in this episode, the awareness, the awareness that you have of yourself and your horse. It's the quality of the relationship and the quality of the two-way communication between you both. So that was part one of this Horsemanship Fundamentals series. And in part two, we're going to specifically talk about the fundamental of confidence. So stay tuned for that one. Hey everyone, Amalia again. And before we wrap up today's episode, I want you to take a moment to imagine this scenario. Your horse greets you at the gate and they're actually happy to see you. Maybe they give you a little bit of a knicker, their ears are forward and they're like, oh, hey, here's my human. I can't wait to see what we get up to today. You can take your horse anywhere and they don't pull, push or call out to their friends. They're focused on you and you can communicate clearly with each other in various situations. You can read your horse's body language and your horse understands you. You're connected on a deeper level. Your horse is confident and totally relaxed with you, the environment, their equipment, and the tasks that you do together. Your horse trusts you because you allow them to express their feelings and help them confidently in difficult situations. You can easily ask your horse to do things and they understand the, and you understand the what, why, and how it's working. Your horse happily accepts their tack and stands still and calm to be mounted. You can ride your horse calmly on a loose rein, knowing that they aren't wanting to run away or wanting to stop. You feel harmony, trust, connection, and willingness with your horse. You can go to a competition or an outing or riding club and not have to worry about your horse being overly stressed or unfocused. You feel congruent and at peace with your horsemanship journey, equipped with the knowledge to solve future problems. And you are finally enjoying your horse in the way that you've always wanted and your horse is enjoying their time with you also. Well, this is my dream for every horse and rider, and I know that it's possible because I've achieved it myself with my own horses and have helped many students achieve it themselves through my online Horsemanship Fundamentals Academy, HFA. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows because of course you're going to have difficulties and breakthroughs along the way, but it's how you approach these things that make all the difference. And remember, when problems arise, it's usually because one or more of the fundamentals is lacking. If you listen to this podcast and all the incredible trainers that I interview and the things that we talk about sit right with you, but if you're honest with yourself, it's not really your reality right now with your horse, then let me teach you the fundamentals and let's change that for the better. Just head to AmaliaDempsey.com and click on Academy to find out more and sign up to HFA. And remember, if you're listening to this in February or March of 2023, right now is the perfect time to join because I'm just about to do those four live bonus group coaching calls, which are not normally a part of the program. And I'm not sure if if or when I'll do these calls again. So don't miss this opportunity if you're thinking about joining HFA. I'm doing these calls so that I can help you troubleshoot and problem solve all the questions you have along the way. They will be recorded in case you can't show up live, but I also love connecting with you all live to hear about you and your individual horses and ultimately help you transform your connection, confidence and communication with your horse. So head to AmaliaDempsey.com and click on Academy to find out everything you need to know and make sure you sign up before March 22nd if you want to be included in the live group coaching calls with me. It's going to be so much fun to connect with you all. I'm super excited and I hope to see you in the Academy. Thanks for listening to today's show and I'll catch you in the next one. 
Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit the follow button so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or screenshot this episode and share it on social media. You can connect with me on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses or my website, AmaliaDempsey.com, where you can find free resources to help you on your horsemanship journey. That's all for today. Thanks for being here. Remember to train with kindness and ride with excellence, and I'll see you in the next episode.